Welcome to the Thursday night recap edition and news episode of the Fantasy Football Brothers podcast. My name is Blake and I'm joined with my brother Carson. How you doing today? I'm doing very well and uh, ready to analyze the strange loss for the Ravens. Yeah, how about this exciting win for the Dolphins, right? Yeah, it is. And we were talking about it a little bit before. Um, people are probably underrating this Dolphins team. Not like they're should be rated extremely highly, but they are not a bottom-of-the-barrel team, most likely. They've just been dealing with a lot of injuries. And uh, so I think they... I mean, they yeah, were still battling injuries this game, but they still Specifically on, on the defensive side, um, yeah. you know, we had a couple weeks where... They were down a corner or two. So, yeah, I think that they have the opportunity to kind of uh, turn up the volume on the uh, second half of the season and maybe be, I mean, it's difficult to be a contender in their division with the Bills, but, uh, or wait, do I have that wrong? I do have No, that I think wrong. that's right. It's Patriots, Bills, No, Jets, yeah, that, that's right. That, yeah, that's the yeah. division. Uh, yeah, okay. a seemingly weak division, but the Bills are not weak and the Patriots have been playing very well. So yeah, baby. I won't give the Jets too much credit, but hey, they've even pulled up, pulled out some upsets like against the Bengals. But uh, yeah, and then the Ravens are in a really tough division, right? It, that's the that's the Bengals, Browns, and Steelers. That's a very tough division. Correct, Amundo. Yeah. Yes. So let's go ahead and let's let's jump right into the side that most people probably had players starting on, and that's the that's the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Uh. So right off the bat. Kind of a quiet night for Lamar Jackson. He got you 238 passing yards for one touchdown and one turnover right at the end of the game. That kind of sealed it for the Dolphins there. But uh, nine carries for 39 yards. Like, what do you think? What's your analysis on on Lamar? I mean, honestly, that's so low. Like, he's coming off of huge rushing games because he has them – you know, a handful of times a season. So a game where he has 39, I don't think you're like, oh, did he break his leg? Because at the end of the day, that's still a lot of rushing yards for a QB. You need to put that into perspective. But for Lamar, it's low. Yeah, kind of the the pacing of this game was very slow. I mean, almost all of the points were scored in the fourth quarter. So it was 3-6 to six at halftime yeah. uh, in favor of the Dolphins. And... No scoring in the third quarter, so there really wasn't a lot going on here. It was a lot of back and forth, but no one was uh, no one was scoring many points. So uh, we talked about Devontae Freeman and how he would be a person to consider on the waivers, but I mean, he got you ten carries for thirty-five yards and three catches for twenty-three yards. But and this is with Latavius Murray inactive yet again. Uh, Le'Veon Bell only had three carries for a yard. So uh, in terms of identifying the split there, I mean, you feel good about Freeman, but at the same time, with what he did for you against a, you know, seemingly a good matchup, you, you can't feel confident with him. Yeah, I don't think you can trust this backfield because, I mean, you have to bank on touchdowns with those running backs because what ends up happening is this game where rushing really wasn't working because it didn't work for Jackson like it usually does. It's not like any other running back's going to have more luck. And in games where it is working, Lamar's going to eat. So, like, I, I don't think there's ever an opportunity where it's either bad for everyone or Lamar steals most of it. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Uh, let's move on to receivers. And uh, I assume you did not watch much of this game, but no. who who would you guess led the team in receiving yards? 
Oh, if I without had looking to guess, at stats, yeah, I'm yeah. looking at stats right now. I've seen it. I, if I had to guess, I would definitely say Marquise Brown, um, not Rashad Bateman. <laughs> yeah, Rashad Bateman, six catches for 80 yards. Uh, I was trying to pick him up in our league, but you know, being in first place, I had the last uh, yes. waiver opportunity. Yes, I, I, so I you scooped him up and him had him up. ride in your bench. Uh, yes, it would have been a little. How bold, you feeling I think. about that? Yeah. I, I didn't really ever consider starting him. It would have been kind of bold, but I'm I'm happy to have him because it seems like he's be- beginning to become, or not even beginning. He's only played four games because he was out the first five with injury. He's just been yeah. very reliable. He's had a double-digit scoring in every single game except for his very first start. So I, I like him because... Yeah, and the other just... aspect of it, I don't have the number in front of me, but I know that at least every game he's had at least six targets, and I know that makes you uh, nice nice and moist. Yeah, that makes me happy. Um, and he also, this was his most receptions, tied for most targets, and tied for most receiving yards in this game. So um, he's on the ups, so it's good to see that for people that have him. And he's still only rostered in 32.5% of leagues. I've been seeing him on list for... Uh, you know, waiver wire column for the week, for multiple weeks, even right before he even had his first start, just because people knew he'd have an impact. Um, but he's still only owned in like a third of leagues, so go after him if he's not, if he hasn't been picked up in your league. You'll have to wait till next week, and you know now he's becoming consistent, so you might not get him unless you're at the top of the waiver order. But I think he's definitely a player worth rostering for sure. Yeah, we'll talk more about that next week, but I think that it the only concern that I would have would be we haven't really seen, and maybe it's because Lamar hasn't had a lot of weapons around him in the passing game, but how do you feel about him supporting three fantasy-relevant receivers? Um, I don't know. I'm not saying that Bateman becomes this super reliable in your lineup every week guy, but I think he's a decent option. Like I dropped him for LaVisca Chenault, which hurt my heart, but like, I definitely feel better if the outlook for Bateman than Chenault. Um, yeah. So maybe more like a matchup based flex. Yes. I mean, he's on, he's my probably lowest ranked wide receiver on my team. And I think that that's a very good lowest rank, lowest ranked wide receiver to have. Yeah, sure. Um, I did mention in our previous episode that I thought between Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown, one of them at least would get a touchdown, and I turned out to be right with Mark Andrews. Nice. Who, yeah, he he pulled it out very late in the game. He had six catches for 63 yards and a touchdown. Uh, In terms of tight ends, you're happy with that production. Thrilled that he got in the end zone. Not much more to say in a game where uh, Lamar Jackson kind of struggled a bit on offense uh i think you're more than happy with that outcome yeah and then on the opposite side marquise brown had a disappointing game six catches which is good in ppr but 37 yards no touchdown kind of limits him he uh was a single digit scorer this week yeah and it was on 13 targets which is surprising but and he also had a fumble which was recovered by bateman which is another interesting (laughs) fact for this receiving core yeah um all right well let's go ahead and move on to the dolphins where again Yet again, I, I'm not. I'm not certain why <laughs> Miami insisted on keeping Tua available instead of bringing up some other quarterback in order to, you know, so that Tua could rest. Because he came in, he ended up coming, having to come in for Jacoby Brissett, who left the game with a knee injury. 
they pretty much had identical days, although Tua was more efficient. Uh, 156 passing yards for Brissett and 158 passing yards for Tua. None of them scored a touchdown uh, with their arm. Tua got one with his leg. Legs. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but the idea here, I'm not sure why that was the case. You know, considering what he was able to do filling in for Brissett with that uh, fractured finger still bothering him, I mean... He did look okay. I mean, I guess I guess it gives you some confidence moving forward that when he is healthy, he is going to be an efficient quarterback for this offense. But I don't know. It's just it's weird. And and I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I just think I agree. It's very weird the way that they mismanaged Tua. I mean, this is your this is the second season. This is someone that you should. I I, I get that. You know re. It, uh, re-injuring a fractured finger it doesn't have like long-term issues most likely but like why even risk him re-aggravating anything like it's like they are unaware of the fact that they can call someone up from like the practice squad to be a backup quarterback <laughs> it's like they, right. they don't realize that they have that ability uh, i yeah. don't understand it tua has been decent pretty good with uh, the options he's had because this whole team's been dealing with injuries, so he hasn't always had his entire receiving core, but he's done very well with the full, healthy games he's played, and it's just weird. We talked about it last week because we mentioned that this could have happened if Brissett was to get hurt, and then it happened this week. It's like, if we can see that as a predictable thing, how can this coaching staff not see it? And Yeah, I just... it's like, take, take a note out of the Jets playbook, which I wouldn't normally say, but... I mean, when you have someone like Mike White or Josh Johnson coming in and playing well, like these are people that were called up that were not the starters or not even necessarily the backups, uh, what was initially thought. So, yeah, I'm not sure what they're doing there in Miami, but they got the win. You can't complain there. What you can complain there, what you can complain with is Miles Gaskin. Yeah. And he's very predictable. We've called it. I almost feel like our analysis with him week to week has just got to be, oh, is this the double-digit week? Oh, is this the single-digit week? Because that is literally how it's been. It has even yeah. He evens and odds. His performances are very noticeable. Yes. Yeah. So play him on odd weeks, I guess we'll say. But I mean, like you said before, real analysis. Even though that seems to be a pretty tried and true method of analysis for him. But yeah, it's all at some point at some point it stops becoming uh, like novel and it becomes like reality. But yeah, I agree that I mean the opportunity was definitely there and we talked about this, but yeah, fourteen carries for thirty one yards, pretty inefficient running. And in terms of the passing game, he only got you one catch for fourteen yards. I mean eleven different players registered a target. Uh, I mean, that doesn't make you feel good. I guess that we can use that to transition to the receiving core for this offense. Um, sure. I mean, Waddle didn't really disappoint you. Uh, Gesicki really did. He led the team in targets and got zero catches. What yeah, that, happened? <laughs> that's that's unlucky. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that. <laughs> yeah, the only one that really stands out to me is he had a, he had a pretty good look that was... Uh, kind of down deep down the middle of the field and and just ended up dropping it. But I mean, outside of that, yeah, it's it's very unlucky, very unfortunate that he led the team in targets and didn't get a single catch for you. 
Yeah, and then you see Albert Wilson and Isaiah Ford, people I've never heard of before, uh, have <laughs> almost identical not a true stat Dolphins lines. Fan. Yeah, not a true Dolphins fan. Have very similar stat lines, and they both had double digits in fantasy. But I mean, you don't buy that, right? Like this. No, is, uh, These no. are players that are going to stay in this rotation. It was like the week when the two Chris's on the Texans went off. Like right. <laughs> except yeah, this team no, actually it, does have more options than just one player in Brandon Cooks. They got Waddle. They got Gasicki. They got Parker when he is healthy. Yeah, I don't expect these guys to have another game where they're relevant. Yeah, this will be their this will be their one outlier game performance likely. Uh, but I had something that I wanted to ask. Uh, oh, yes. Um, is Mike Gesicki a buy low opportunity after this game? If you want to, if you want to sell high after this double digit scoring week, I mean, I, I wouldn't trust him, but I see what you're saying. I, I do think at some point he's got to ha- like level out and have some, you know, low end RB2 value at, at the very least. Um, well, what I mean is that for someone who might need a tight end, and you're seeing it that, you know, whoever rosters Gesicki, obviously he just put up a bagel, and that might be frustrating to someone who, you know, may have a better option or a different option, at least, on their roster. I just think it might be interesting to pursue, and like I said, if, if I know that if you rostered Gesicki and we played in a league that required tight ends, I know that you would look at that target number and you'd probably hold on to him but i think other people you know other people don't value that as highly as you do yeah and i think that there's an opportunity there for people to pursue a trade uh involving gasicki because i think you know he like we've said before outside of jalen waddle and as long as these uh as long as this receiving core is going to be banged up continue to be banged up I think that Gasicki is the next best option in that offense. And we saw that last night that he had all of the targets. So yeah. he's getting opportunity at the tight end position. That's extremely valuable. I'm just saying there might be there might be something there. No, you're right. I, I mean, you're, you're a little bit worried about what he looks like when Devontae Parker's back. But, I mean, if you can find Maybe Will Fuller, has too. Him, yeah, that, him too. But if you, you know, the fantasy manager that has Gasicki is just done with him after this week... I mean, I don't think it's too high stakes for you to go for him, so that's probably not a bad idea. I agree. Sure. All right, well, cool. Um, obviously an unexpected outcome, but that's why they play the games in the NFL instead of just talking about them. So uh, let's move on to news. Um, I know we can start with because I think it's the biggest thing that's happened this week is Odell Beckham Jr. going Panthers to the Panthers signing Cam Newton? Oh, oh, well, that's another big one, but <laughs> OBJ going to the Rams. Let's start with that one. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was just messing around. Yeah. Um, I, I do believe that, and we'll talk about the next one in, in a moment, but yeah, Odell Beckham Jr., obviously I'm a little disappointed because there was hope that the Patriots would sign him, but I'm, I mean, I think this is a good, this is a good landing spot for him in terms of real NFL because... Yeah. Because the LA Rams are a hot team. They've got a new quarterback in Matthew Stafford that's been just slinging the ball. <laughs> Cooper Cup loves him. Robert Woods is starting to turn around. And now they have Odo Beckham Jr., who, you know, under Sean McVay, I feel like they can definitely find a way to get him involved in the offense. This is an offense that uh, typically or often relies on three wide receiver sets. That's why we've seen Van, Jeff- Van Jefferson perform relatively well this season i think that this is a good i mean here's the here's the bottom line is that if you manager 
OBJ, this is a disappointing outcome because you wanted OBJ to go and be the top dog wherever he yeah. went. That's true. Uh, I do think real NFL, this is a lot more exciting because this Rams team is definitely in contention for winning the Super Bowl. Um, but for fantasy, you know, as someone that has Robert Woods, all I can hope for is that this will just make Cup a little bit worse. That's all I can hope for. Whoa, that's hateful. What do you mean? <laughs> just meaning his fantasy value. I feel like it's like if it's gonna. I'm worried that Woods is gonna, you know, lose out to even more targets now that they're also feeding OBJ. But I think uh, what I can hope for is that Cup still does very well because he's he's doing so much better than everyone else. But he just loses some targets and some volume because OBJ's in there. I just I guess what I'm trying to say is I want enough to go around for the three of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's certainly an opportunity for that, and, and like I said, they, they rely on three wide receiver sets, so it could be something, I think like, you know, in terms of his uh, his peak value, I think it could be something similar to what we've seen from Antonio Brown at Tampa Bay, Yeah. and I mean, obviously the, the low is kind of what we've already seen from him, so, you know, you, your expectations should kind of be set there. Uh, but, yeah, I think that obviously there were other teams that he could have gone to that would have been more influential fantasy-wise. Uh, and if you are, if you're, you know, at, at all concerned about OBJ's, OBJ's prospects on the Rams, I think now is your chance to try to trade him. Yeah, I, you got until he starts playing, honestly. Yeah, which is kind of difficult because the Rams go on by next week, so... They play Monday night this week, then they're on a bye week 11, and then week 12, I don't know off the top of my head who they're playing, do you know? No, but is there any, like, real chance that he plays this Monday? Um, I think there is a possibility that he plays limited snaps. Yeah. I, it's certainly not going to be a full exposure, I mean, but, yeah, I think he probably suits up, but I also don't think that you start him because of that limited uh, opportunity he'll be getting. Yeah, I mean, this is exciting, though, and it'll be interesting to see um, what happens. I mean, this team, fantasy-wise, they supported Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup that season going to the Super Bowl. They were all fine. Um, well, I mean, Van Jefferson's you remember, even has a value, so, like you were saying. so th- Among, th- I think among those, so that season, I think Brandon Cooks was hurt a little bit, so he wasn't always there, and then he was always the one that was – uh, boomer bust on that yes. on that trio. That is true. There, there will probably be one that is more boom and, boomer bust than the others. And I mean, honestly, yeah. that has been how Van Jefferson's been. I mean, I, I definitely value OBJ higher, but I think yeah. that is probably the uh, the reality whenever you have that many mouths to feed. I mean, we talk about this dilemma every single week with the Cardinals. I mean, I like yes, these three more than I mean, those three or four. Right. The talent, the talent level for this receiving core is presumably the best in the NFL now and I think it's very difficult just you know from a from a realistic standpoint I think it's very difficult to support three fantasy relevant wide receivers in the same offense but you know if if anyone can do it I suppose it's it's this trio because they have the talent I'm just thinking about uh this division, NFC West, the Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, 49ers, just how many 
fantasy relevant pass catchers there all there are just in that one division. Yeah, for real. That's absurd. It's absurd. Okay, do you want to talk about Cam Newton a bit? <laughs> yeah, just for a little bit. I mean, it's it's exciting in the sense that we're getting to see Cam Newton back with the franchise that drafted him and he played most of his career there. Uh, but the 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 part where you need to wait and see is that, you know, it's a completely new coaching staff or at least a d- completely different head coach. I'm not certain on everyone there, but um, it's a new head coach. It's a new, you know, new receivers that he's not familiar with. And, I mean, Cam Newton hasn't played football at all this season. So there's a, there's a possibility that he's been, I don't know, laying on the couch, not doing a lot. But I, I don't think that's the case. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that maybe – Maybe don't ha- don't set your expectations too high that you find yourself being disappointed by him. I think he's going to be usable at some point this season, um, especially in two quarterback leagues. But I think that in terms of like a ten team, one quarterback league, you're probably you're probably reaching for Cam Newton, and and I'm targeting you when I say that because you picked him up in our league. <laughs> I just I don't have a reliable backup I don't have a Kirk Cousins like you do and I have Kyler so I'm kind of looking for my next options but uh yeah I was like might as well I had Taysom Hill there before and if he doesn't get the start he's literally unusable so uh, yeah he's not Trevor Simeon will start yeah so that's why I dropped him for Cam uh I mean Cam (laughs) Darnold is out for four to six weeks wasn't that the timeline uh, at least four. The minimum was four. Okay. So Cam's probably not going to play this weekend, but it starts week 11. And I just, I mean, I will say I do think there's some good matchups for him, though. His The first game he starts in week 11 would be against Washington, which yeah, is good. Yeah, you like that. At Miami. Against his former coach, Ron yeah, Rivera. That, that's, that's true. At Miami, which we saw Lamar didn't do well, but I still feel like you feel pretty good about that matchup. Um, home to Atlanta. Yeah, you at like Buff- that. At Buffalo, you don't like. Uh, mm. And then I don't know if you'd still be playing at this point, but home to Tampa Bay, you like that for passing. Sort uh, of. At New Orleans, you don't love that. And at Tampa Bay again. So, so I that's think it, through week 18? Yeah, that's through the rest of the season. I think that's, I mean, other than Buffalo and, they and have the a Saints, buy. They'll have a bye in week 14. Yeah. So it'll. I think what it'll really come down to is... He's going to have a few games to kind of, you know, get used to the offense and get his feet under him. And then I think, you know, with how bad Sam Darnold has played leading up to his injury, I don't think they're necessarily going to rush back to get him in the starting quarterback position, but yeah. It'll be a it'll be a conversation at that point when Darnold's healthy how Cam Newton has been playing. Yeah, I mean, how do you does this make you feel better about DJ Moore? I mean, it has to. Not can't be necessarily. Much lower. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what we said before, is that it can't get much worse. My concern would be the way that I watched Cam Newton play yes. when he was on the Patriots last year. He was pretty much, he was pretty much a wildcat running back. I, I think um, what will be very interesting to see how they manage him, because... That way, he, the way he played last season definitely cannot coexist with Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> so yeah, that will be interesting. 
yeah, it, it'll be something to something to watch as the uh, as the weeks continue. But we can move on to some new uh, some other news stuff, some more injury specific news. Yeah, big news there. Um, let's start with the obvious one. Alvin Kamara has been ruled out. Um, yeah, so feel good about that. I mean, so Mark Ingram is, yeah. I believe, he's twenty yards shy of tying the franchise rushing record. So I think that it's a given that this week, if you want to tune in for some history, you can watch that happen this week. Uh, and that's exciting for him and the franchise. But, yeah, for people who manage Alvin Kamara, that's a big loss. He did it not is. practice all week with a knee injury, and he's being held out this Sunday. So that's that's a tough loss. And I can, I can speak to that directly because I'm my opponent this week has Alvin Kamara. Apologies, Jack, but... I'm without Nick Chubb, so I mean, I we're kind of even there. Do you think Mark Ingram has any like flex value, or probably not? Um, so the Saints are playing. Who who are they playing? Tennessee. I forget off the top. Tennessee. So here, here's here's I think what's gonna happen is that Mark Ingram is gonna get the bulk of the touches, uh, the carries especially, and we've seen him we've seen him do. He hasn't been the most efficient, but he has shown himself to be capable of having a heavy workload. The other part is that it is Trevor Simeon at quarterback. That's been confirmed. So I think that if you throw him in at flex, I you know I definitely wouldn't look at you funny because I think that he is going to get a lot of touches in this offense. Yeah, I feel like he'll have a pretty high floor at the very least. Yeah. Right. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Move on from this one. Sure. Um, yeah, and I and I alluded to it, but we can talk about uh, Nick Chubb has officially been ruled out due to COVID nineteen. So that means that Dearness Johnson will get the start against my Patriots. I don't love that matchup for him, and so I'm a little bit hesitant to throw him into my lineup. You know, if I were to roster him, but. Uh, I think that you feel a little bit more confident you can speak to that. I mean, I just, you know, trust is a strong word, but it's hard to deny what he did against the Broncos in Thursday Night Football in, like, week eight or whatever it was, whenever uh, Hunt and Chubb were both first out. Um, he did amazing that game. Do I expect that to happen again? No. I, I mean... It, I don't think he's as strong as like an Alexander Madison. Like you're very confident playing Madison if Cook is out. I don't think you're that. You don't feel that strongly about Dearness Johnson. But again, I, I I like him much more than Mark Ingram in a similar situation. Do you agree to that? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I think. Yeah, I, I guess I don't disagree with that. I think that you know they're both tough defenses and. Like, I think they're both top 12 teams against the run, so you don't love your prospects there. I think that Dearness Johnson's probably a more reliable pass catcher than Mark Ingram at this stage, but either way, uh, if you have, you know, if you roster those those lead backs and you have those handcuffs, I think you have to. Yeah. You probably don't have better options. So from that perspective, yeah, yeah I mean, but probably lower expectations just because you know they're the backups for a reason yeah i i do feel pretty good about him though but i mean 
the ESPN Fantasy app has him projected at 17.4. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, I think that's a bit high. That is definitely high. I think that I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get double digits, personally. But 17 is bold. <laughs> but that's just how I yeah. feel about him. No, I agree with that. Uh ton of game time decisions well i guess okay yeah we can talk about this first actually we'll, we'll focus on the people that have been ruled out uh antonio brown and rob gronkowski if you want to talk about the buccaneers a bit yeah so as you mentioned chris godwin will be a game time decision yes. uh but antonio brown and rob gronkowski have been ruled out so that does kind of change the outlook a little bit for you know players like mike evans as well as Tyler Johnson, who is going to get some more looks, um, presumably, with with Brown being out. I don't really trust any of the tight ends between O.J. Oh, Howard. Yeah. Yeah. Brate. Yeah, Cameron Brait. Both of those guys, they, they really just haven't, you know, there's been a lot of games with Gronkowski out, and none of them have ever really showed up in this, this season. So... If you have Gronkowski, it hurts, but you got to look elsewhere. Uh, outside of the Bucks, I think. I mean, the matchup is really good, but I think just the way that those tight ends are used whenever Gronkowski is out, like when he's absent, it's still not really warranting uh, them getting the start in your roster, I believe. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I don't. Do we just want to do some, like, quick fire analysis on like if you're playing these guys if they end up suiting up because they're game time to suit. I mean you're starting Kyler and Hopkins if they're activated correct yeah um I think that like Kyler Murray has been very optimistic and and Cliff Kingsbury has talked about how he's progressed really well with his uh his ankle injury and, and obviously I, you feel go ahead I mean, I I just read today that Murray was participating, uh, probably limited, in practice today, and I just think that it makes me feel optimistic that he'll play this week um, just because they didn't even... They were still considering playing him even if he didn't log a practice. So that makes me feel better that he at least got some participation in practice this week. Um, and, you know, as far as an ankle injury... So you don't feel amazing. If he's starting, you're playing him. But it hurts yeah, his rushing that, ability, he, probably. But his rushing this season has not been anywhere near what it was last season. Yeah, but, it's been pretty minimal with uh, with what you can expect from him. Yeah, I mean, you love you loved the floor that gave him, quite literally, last season as a quarterback, as a fantasy quarterback. But just seeing him be able to do it just as a passer is also reassuring for um, his value and just as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, certainly. Um, along those same lines, Chase Edmonds has been ruled out for Sunday, so it's going to be the goal line chow hound of James Conner. I, th- I think you've got to start him. I mean, we talked about this a little bit in our matchup previews episode, but uh, I mean... Yeah, we saw that... we saw him get it done on the ground and through the air. I think that, you know, the, the matchup is uh, not great. Let me look that up real quick. I think it's... Uh... Cardinals, the Panthers. Yeah, yes, the, the Panthers. Panthers. So not a great matchup, but I'm, I'm just James saying the the stat line we saw for James Connor 
Uh, I mean, he led the entire league in fantasy points in Week 9, but just the way he was looking well, and the production he had, he looked like, what What season was it? 2018 Steelers? 2019 Steelers? Like, this, this is, if, if you haven't been playing fantasy for, uh, I guess, over a year or so, you probably don't know that this guy used to be an RB1. So, not that I think he's returning to that status, but I think it's enough to give you hope that you can safely start him uh, in Chase Edmonds' uh, absence. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, another Chase that has been rolled out is Chase Claypool. Uh, he will not be playing Sunday for the Steelers. So, let me ask you this. How does that make you feel about other pass catchers not named Deontay Johnson? Um... You know, what's been weird about Chase Claypool is that whenever Juju went out for the season, I expected Claypool to be much better, but he honestly hasn't even had a great game in Juju's absence. But, I mean, he still is a threat in that offense that defenses need to accommodate for. I mean, I think that this... I think that Deontay's fine. I don't think that he's going to be the only person defenses i mean they're playing detroit i don't think he's the only person they need to worry about <laughs> not that i think that yeah. like james washington or, i think is his name or ray ray mcleod yes. are like fantasy relevant but the fact that i can name them gives me <laughs> assurance that you know they have talent and uh there's still plenty of people that defense needs to worry about so personally i'm not worried about deontay johnson or i guess fryer um just because yeah, they both, they've both been... I mean, Johnson kind of had an off game last week, but it wasn't awful, and Farmouth had an amazing game. I expect that you can definitely trust Johnson, and I expect Farmouth to be a decent tight end play, honestly. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think if anyone's going to step up in Claypool's place that's a wide receiver, I think it is James Washington, yeah. who's always kind of a deep threat, um, someone who can always, you know... Uh, run for a long a long touchdown uh but yeah i think probably fryermuth would be i'd feel more comfortable starting uh but of course that's a tight end and you're not going to start two tight ends with your flex uh, in standard formats yeah so if you have if you have fryermuth if you picked him up this week you feel a little bit better with claypool being out um and if not i think james washington is a, a flex play in deeper leagues agreed um, the only um, other last, thing is, yeah. yeah, my last inactive is Jamal Williams, and this isn't really all that exciting because, honestly, you probably weren't starting Jamal Williams, uh, you know, any of the weeks after probably like week two or three. So uh, the one thing it does show you is that this is one of the first weeks where DeAndre Swift has not been on the injury report, <laughs> and so I expect a heavy workload for him, um, especially with coming in with no designation. He already gets a lot of touches, but with Jamal Williams being ruled out, I think that it's going to be just even more touches for DeAndre Swift. Could be a really big Swift game. Yeah, I do agree. I, I also do kind of think that it could take away from his... Uh receiving game a bit just because I mean he's got to take a breath at some point um he's young though he can do it yeah he can do no, it he all. can do it and I, it is reassuring that the one week he doesn't have an injury designation is the week that Williams is out so I, I you're definitely confident in starting him for sure yeah um I'm gonna do a quick update on anything coming up that's relevant a lot of injury designations this week, so keep your eye out on all of these people. Um, 
I mean, yeah, we were just talking Julio about the Jones decisions, but Julio Jones did not practice due to a hamstring injury, so you don't feel good about that. Um, oh, keep an eye on Patriots running backs Damian Harris and Ramon J. Stevenson, who are still considered questionable, although neither of them practiced all week. I will say that the Patriots didn't make any moves similar to the Dolphins in the sense that they didn't bring up any new players from the practice squad or make any kind of roster adjustments. So I do kind of feel like, especially with them not being ruled out despite not practicing, I feel like it's likely that one of them, if not both, could still be available. Yes. Um, and as we already said in matchup previews, I don't think you feel good with starting Brandon Bolden or what's the other guy's name, J.J. Taylor? J.J. Taylor, yeah. I mean, they're, yeah, they're both, they're both projected 11.3 and 10.1 respectively. I don't really buy that there's enough to go around of just the way this offense uses their running backs when their top guy is out. But um, if you're desperate, they should get the touches, but I don't feel good about them. This is not a situation <laughs> where you feel good about the next guy stepping up just because of how this offense operates. Um, I mean, you really yeah. only feel good starting Harris out of that backfield. Yeah, agreed on that. So uh, I think we can wrap up here. Thank you all for listening. hope you enjoyed the news. Good luck in your Week 10 matchup, and enjoy the football. Thanks, guys.